On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we say the three most exciting words in Toronto Raptors podcasting. What's more likely? Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, August the 3rd, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, come hang out in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description. We're talking TV shows. We're talking Toronto Blue Jays. We're talking, of course, the Toronto Raptors. Although I feel like we've kind of gone in circles on the main Raptors conversations. That's fine. Circles are fun. Everyone in the Discord's a great time. Come hang out. It's a lovely place to be. A great little community we got building around the show. A reminder, you can also find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. And you can also find us on YouTube every day for free as well. Just hit the big subscribe button over there to support the show, make me feel good, boost the numbers, all that good stuff. All right, let's get to it. On today's show, we are playing another round of everybody's favorite Locked On Raptors parlor game, What's More Likely? And we are here with the king of What's More Likely. You know, this is a game I just decided to cook up whenever V's coming on the podcast, just because he's very fun to play it with. It's Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Big V, how the hell are you, pal? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, it's been a good week, fun week. Watched uh, Oppenheimer in oh yeah the full 70 mm IMAX experience, and that was amazing. And highly recommend it. Uh, it's funny. I became oh with all the 70 mm hype. I didn't even know what the difference was, um, <laughs> and then realizing that, like for us here, we can only watch it in Mississauga and Vaughn. Like mm-hmm. those are the only two theaters that have it. Then I went on this mission to like get tickets. <laughs> and, like those two theaters are just sold out um and then it worked out so i'm glad a week <laughs> i'm very glad that you got to see oppenheimer as christopher nolan uh wanted everybody to see it i think i just saw it in regular old uh movie whatever i i don't know much know about movies i just yeah. watched them and say that was good or bad uh <laughs> oppenheimer was good barbie was also good i saw that on the weekend that was a fun time nice. um but we're not talking about movies today we maybe save that for deeper off season we're still it's early yeah. august baby we're still right in the trenches of uh raptors it, it might be the season of barbenheimer <laughs> yeah it's just anytime a game is uh not terribly entertaining or the offense is stalled out we just uh go back and re- review the movies that got us through the summer i'm also seeing mission impossible on friday and i feel like that might be better than all of them if the mm-hmm. recent run of mission impossible success 
holds up. But uh, again, we're not talking about movies. Go to the Discord for that. We're talking about movies in there every day. Um, we're talking about what's more likely scenarios for your Toronto Raptors on today's show, how this game works. I pick two pretty unlikely outcomes, and we decide which of those most unlikely outcomes are most likely to come to pass this coming season. And uh, we got a few, we got a wide-ranging uh, collection of what's more likelys today. So let's dive in, shall we? We'll get to stuff on the offense and the defense. We'll get to stuff on awards. But let's begin with off-season scuttlebutt and uh you know the, the the things that have been on our minds all season long i think kind of figure to be on our minds even into the trade deadline at this point considering the roster's full it seems like maybe they're just going to go into the season with this team with pending ufas and all so my first what's more likely scenario for you big v is what's more likely all three of pascal siakam og ananobi and gary Trent jr are on the raptors in april 2024 which means post-trade deadline pre-playoffs or none of them are what is the most likely of these two very unlikely outcomes yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to go with og siakam and G gary staying with the raptors being more mm -hmm. likely i i don't think there's a scenario in which all three are gone mm -hmm. um i just feel like it's a question of picking a direction and i think if you lean younger then you lean towards keeping uh og and gary mm -hmm. um and so for that reason, I will say uh, that a scenario where all three are gone just seems completely out of play, in my opinion. Let me paint the picture for you on the scenario and how this happens, Big V. You go into the season, and it's just a mess. From day one, there's, there's the offense is horrible. Scotty Barnes proves not to be a point guard. The lack of shooting is dire. They can't create anything in the half court. Uh, you know, maybe you have some injury luck that befalls you, you know, poor injury luck that befalls you. Maybe Dennis Schroeder doesn't perform very well. It's more his Rockets or Celtics tenure than it is his Lakers tenure. All of these things go down. You get to the deadline and you're staring down the barrel of pending UFA OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam. And you say, you know what? This was so bad. We are like on the way to getting our pick because we're going to be one of the six worst teams in the league. No doubt. Let's just hit reset, build this thing around Scotty Barnes and Grady Dick and whomever we draft with our high draft pick this year and get what we can now for the pending UFAs before we have to worry about them leaving. That is probably the only way in which all three of those guys are even considered as trade options altogether. But I guess it's a possibility, you know, the, like the, the league is pretty stacked, I think, top to bottom with talent. And if you're one of those teams that has like a season from hell, you could find yourself in the position of wanting to just hit the reset button. I don't think that's terribly likely either. I also think it's most likely that all three will be on the team after the deadline. In fact, I think it's pretty likely that at least one of these guys gets extended before the season starts to kind of take this conversation off the table anyway let's hope it's pascal siakam i'm not terribly hopeful for that at the moment but i i i, I would like to see it um if one of these guys is not on the team in april who do you think that is i'm putting uh, you on pascal, the spot pascal siakam <laughs> yeah i yeah I, th I think uh just reading the tea leaves i think reading you know those scenarios that you outlined um towards you know potentially all three being off the team mm. um i think you know as that kind of if if that scenario starts to play out and mm -hmm. you know the raptors are terrible and uh i think the message becomes clear that hey okay we have to go young now mm -hmm. um and so if you were to move siakam i think it becomes that much easier 
to get OG on an extension, mm. um, to get Gary on an extension. I know there have been reports, but obviously that has not played out yet. No. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think the scenario of the team being bad leading to Pascal getting traded and then extensions for those two uh, is much more likely than uh, is, is the most likely scenario of the team being bad. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's fair. I I do wonder if they do get the extension done with Pascal before the season. Again, I'm not betting on it just because it feels like there's multiple avenues here, right? He could got, go try to play for the Supermax and make All-NBA. He could mm-hmm. just say, screw you guys. Uh, this has been a weird summer. I don't want to sign anything right now. That said, talk to me when you turn down 200 million bucks put on the table. I, you know, I think anybody uh, does, doesn't do that terribly lightly. So I, they kind of forced his hand too because it's like, well, yeah, good luck making all NBA with this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a world in which he just goes like sicko mode and kind of pulls out what he did for the first ten games of last season before he got hurt. Um, you know, the, the the spacing situation I don't think is markedly worse than it was last year. I think, in fact, a couple spots you might argue it's a little bit better. There's a little bit more shooting upside on the roster. Maybe there's a workable ecosystem for him to go and average twenty eight, eight and eight, and be be on the the MVP ballot and, and all that stuff, but yeah, it, it's a it's going to be a tough road. I think if I'm picking one of these guys, the OG thing is troubling to me. Like the the fact that you probably can't offer him an extension that he's going to take this summer, that does leave a lot to be sort of out of your control, right? Like if you get to the off season and think, hey, you know, we can make this work. We're, we're going to give you the big offer. Some other team could swoop in. Maybe things didn't go so well. Maybe he didn't get the role that he's you know purported to want and he walks. Maybe you have to move him at the deadline if things aren't going so well. And you're kind of looking at him and the potential of him walking for nothing, which I think would be like basically fireable if, if OG walks for nothing a year after Fred walked for nothing. Um, I can't imagine they're going to want to risk that too much. So I'd say OG maybe the most likely to not be there because Siakam and Gary are the most likely extension guys, but it is an interesting one for sure. I would still bet all three guys probably on the team in April, but uh, that's where we're at. We well, will come back. You said, yeah, just quickly again, remember what Masai said, right? That yeah. like, major changes are for the off season. Yeah. Not the trade deadline. So that's true. Once you get to October, it's going to be tough. Yeah, for sure. We shall see. We're going to come back to the side and get into the actual on-court product, which is a thing I've been yearning to talk about. So we'll do that in just a second here and get into the offense and the defense. Would Can one of those sides of the ball surprise this coming season, either positively or negatively? We will get into that in just a moment. Before we do, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta, the place where you're going to make cash back on stuff that you're just going to buy anyway. Are you picking up some burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue this weekend? I'm going to my parents for a summer barbecue. I got to pick up some stuff to bring i need to bring some desserts and whatnot i gotta buy that stuff anyway so if you're already doing it then why not get cash back for it with ibotta ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back it's that easy the average ibotta user earns 120 dollars per year that's a lot of scratch baby you can buy a pair of shoes with that you can go and buy a whole bill of groceries with that i can 
could cover the cost of an entire trip to the store. So go and check out Ibotta right now. Other apps will give you points that don't amount to very, very much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, your PayPal, or even gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. We're playing What's More Likely with Vivek Jacob. Just a heads up on tomorrow's show, Andrew Ivamy, a lovely Toronto stand-up comic, is going to be on the show. Uh, already recorded earlier this week, and uh, it was a blast. He's a, he's a lovely, lovely dude. Had a ton of fun, and, uh, you know, talking about fan origins. We play that random Raptors game. If you're not familiar with Andrew's work, you should definitely tune in, because he's a funny, funny cat. All right, let's get to it now. The second What's more likely on our docket today? Big V, we've been talking a lot about how the offense maybe not going to be so good. The defense, definitely some upside to be very good. But what if it all gets turned on its head? What's more likely, the Toronto Raptors finish with a top 10 offense in 2023-24 or a bottom 10 defense? Big V, take it away. Yeah, I think I'm just... They both seem pretty unlikely um, that's that's that that's the idea yeah <laughs> good, good one sean this, yes <laughs> yeah this one this one is tougher than your first one and i will go with um the miracle of like Otto and gary and og and uh grady doing enough from three-point range <laughs> To make it a top 10 offense being slightly more likely than um, this team being a bottom 10 defense. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they should, again, my expectations are to be better than league average. I'd probably, if I had to, you know, pen them down, I'd probably say they're top 12 defense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, you know, you just got to see how things play out. So to get into that bottom 10, I think, would take again major changes, wholesale changes to the roster, which once the season starts, I think uh, is unlikely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, somehow, somehow they cook their way into a top 10 offense, which again, I don't think is <laughs> likely at all. <laughs> it would be but of the two, I will go truly with. shocking if this team ends up with a top 10 offense. That yeah. said, I'm with you. I think that's more likely than this team finishing with a bottom 10 defense. Gargle I magic, just. Baby. What's that? Darko Magic? Yeah, I mean, I just think there's way too much defensive talent on this roster for it not to be a good defense. And, you know, you move Fred Van Vliet out, you replace him essentially with Dennis Schroeder, who's a better defender than Fred Van Vliet is at this stage of his career, and Jalen McDaniels, who only adds to the length and nastiness on the wings for this team. And I think they're going to be pretty hard to carve apart for opposing teams. Obviously, a lot rides on Scotty Barnes. If he's going to, in fact, be the lead guard, he's got to sort of rein in the aggression, the overzealousness that's burned him in the past at the point of attack. We'll see about Gary Trent Jr. I do have questions about... 
if they're playing a less aggressive scheme where hawking passing lanes is less of a priority, does Gary Trent Jr. kind of have a place in the defense? Can he hang as an on-ball guy, as a team defender? We'll see. His biggest skill is that sort of ball hawking, sort of you know get the turnover engine moving. I, I'm not sure he's going to be asked to do that quite as much. Maybe he's put at liberty to do that while the rest of the team hangs back and, and sort of cleans up messes. We'll see. Um, but I, I just, beyond those two guys... I feel like, and I guess Grady Dick, everyone on this team is a good or great defender, right? OG, all defense, we know how incredible he is. Precious Achua, unbelievable, true one through five defender. Pascal, I think with a less lessened offensive burden and hopefully a lower minutes total was going to be able to kind of keep up the energy defensively. We've seen the heights of Pascal defensively and they are essential to the Raptors working well. And of course we know the Raptors had like ridiculous defensive stats in that last season whenever Yaka Pirtle and or Christian Colo were on the floor. I guess they never shared the floor together. That'd be weird. Um, but those two guys, they, as those sort of seven-foot rim protector types, are almost amplifiers of the Raptors' length and make it so it's just really difficult to navigate through the trees to get to the rim. And I think if they are giving away fewer obvious laneways and four-on-three situations just by being so aggressive at the point of attack, sending doubles, etc., I think they're just the integrity of their defense is going to be quite strong. And I think this stands a chance of being like a top five defense. It's probably going to have to be if this team wants to be anything close to good. Um, and I think that's actually on the table. I think the defensive talent here is, is pretty impressive. And um, I think they actually got better in that department over the summer. And they were sixth in defense after the Yakupertle trade last season. So I, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Offensively, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to get into that top 10 without a doubt. Their half-court offense, I can't imagine, is going to be better than like 25th at best. You know, it's just they were really bad last year and they had more pull up shooting on, on hand then. They have less of that now. It's going to be a challenge. But if you look at Darko Ryakovich teams, you know, obviously he wasn't the head coach in Memphis, but he was the lead assistant next to Taylor Jenkins. You would imagine there's some pretty good simpatico in terms of how those two guys would want to run things. Uh, the Grizzlies, despite having not like a ton of shooting and really kind of leaning on the offensive rebounding, you know, game. They finished 11th in offense last year. Yes, John Morant is better than any player on the Raptors and is way better with rim pressure than any player on the Raptors could ever dream to be. But they found a way to kind of rig an offense that was effective despite being one of the worst half-court offenses in basketball, a thing that kind of reared its ugly head in the playoffs for them. Do you believe in the magic of sort of, you know, transition and offensive rebounding, a thing the Raptors obviously prioritized last season? Maybe it's less of a gimmicky thing where it's like 25% of their possessions this coming season, but do you believe in these sort of on the margins tinkering with the, the possession game and getting those extra possessions to kind of drive up the overall effectiveness of the offense? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a bit more of a balanced approach this season. I think mm -hmm. Darko will kind of look at uh, the the defense and say, hey, let's like secure the glass. Let's maybe not try to leak out as much and let's not try to, you know, apply as much ball pressure um, and trust uh, staying in front. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to see hopefully uh, less corner threes <laughs> from, <laughs> from opponents. Uh, so... I think, um, especially I think with the offensive philosophies, you know, the point four, point five, and like constantly staying uh, in motion, that type of thing, mm -hmm. uh, you'll probably, you know, have 
a couple guys crash the glass at most. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I think we're going to see that sort of temper down. And so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. uh, And, you know, it's hard to predict because Mm -hmm. we haven't seen uh, a Darko Ryakovich head coached, uh, at least at the NBA level uh, Mm -hmm. team before. Um, And so I think we just got to wait and see. For sure. My, my guess is they'll probably lean into the offensive rebounding again. That's the thing those Memphis teams did quite a bit. And it's an obvious strength of this team, right? They're massive. A lot of these dudes are really good at crashing the glass. I could see that still being a priority for them, even if it's, you know, even if they're kind of changing the way they game the possession battle. I, I think where I see the potential for transition to really be a thing they can kind of capitalize on, right? Like they were like a historically good transition team for the first 10 games of last year, just absolutely blitzing the league on the run. And then things got a little less effective as the season went along. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet, not the best transition operator. Gary Trent Jr., please never dribble in transition. Just run to the corner of the wing. My God. Um, But between Pascal, between Schroeder, between Scotty Barnes, I think they have a lot of punch in transition. And I think we might see them replace some of those steals they would really kind of game the system to go and get with just runouts off of misses. And I think we'll actually see maybe some like regression back to something close to league average when it comes to what they're giving up on corner threes and those wide open triples to role players that just burned them so many times over the last couple seasons. So you maybe you give back a couple turnovers a game, but you're getting back a couple of missed threes. Those lead to runouts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think we could see them kind of comprise a pretty solid transition and offensive rebounding attack to hopefully offset the not very good uh, half-court offense, which I'm sure we are about to go and watch. And that said, there are some lineup constructions where the half-court offense probably will be pretty good, and and there will be enough spacing out there. It's just not going to be every lineup. It's not going to be 48 minutes a night where you're really happy with the construction and the geometry of the floor with the given players that you have out there. Um, So, yeah, I I think we're both in agreement here. The, The bottom 10 defense feels pretty unlikely um you know and it's it's worth noting as well those those grizzlies teams with darko as lead assistant uh third in defense this past season and this is with john morant not a very good defensive player desmond bain a fine defensive player with t-rex arms like they, they managed to work around the the lack of sort of length you know give darko and you know this sort of more conservative defense all of this really good one-on-one defensive talent i think some pretty good things are going to go down um, we'll come back on the other side to close this out with our final what's more likely is it's award talk time. We'll get to that momentarily. But first, just a reminder, go check out Locked on Blue Jays as Craig Ballard is doing a great job documenting the season as it progresses through August. The Blue Jays, big win last night. George Springer getting back off the schneid against the Baltimore Orioles. You're going to want to go check out Locked on Blue Jays every single day to follow the drive for the division, for the wild card, and all that good stuff that comes with baseball at this time of year on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube for free. Go. All right, let's uh, finish this off, Big V, with our final what's more likely of the day as we turn our attention towards awards season and a couple of Raptors who there are not currently odds out for at FanDuel, unfortunately, for us to use here. But I do think a couple of guys are going to be very similarly uh, projected as contenders for these awards 
What's more likely, Scotty Barnes wins most improved player in 2023-24 or Dennis Schroeder wins most six, sorry, wins six man most six man. <laughs> wins six man of the year. Schroeder finished second notably back in 2019-20 to Montrez Harrell when he was playing for that Thunder team, which I loved that Sam Presti never should have broken up and I'm always going to be mad at him for doing so. Um, you had, of course, Scotty Barnes, former rookie of the year and is going to have a whole lot on his plate, plenty of opportunity to to juice up those stats and get into the most improved conversation. And I think, honestly, the narrative might be on his side a little because of the perceived step back that he took last year, even though I think it was more just kind of like an evening out as opposed to a real regression. But we like to have hyperbolic takes on things. Um, what's more likely here? Scotty Barnes wins most improved or Dennis Schroeder wins sixth man of the year? I will go with Scotty. Okay. Uh, I think if you look at the competition just projecting out for uh, the most improved player award next season. Um, a lot of it is going to come down to, you, you know, how much credit Mikhail Bridges gets for what he showed last <laughs> season already. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, as a net, he averaged pretty much like 26 points a game. Right. Yeah. And so does that kind of get ignored and you just look at what he does for a whole season now? Mm-hmm. Um, if so, then he's probably... A true right. awards purist would only look at the single season in which things are taking place, of course, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> and, and so if you were to just evaluate this, then he might be a lock for the award. Mm-hmm. Um, then another guy I look at is Tyrese Maxey, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if James Harden gets moved, you know, how much that opens up for him and the, and the numbers that he could put up. So I, I think he'd be a big candidate. Um, but after that, I, I think Scotty could be right there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you might look at the other, uh, you know, the rest of the players in his draft class and say they're in the mix, like, like a Cade Cunningham, like a Evan Mobley, and, um, you know, what kind of leaps they kind of take. Because mm-hmm. um, we've seen now that top picks aren't really exempt from winning the most improved player <laughs> award. So uh, I think for me personally, uh, I don't like to vote for those guys because it's kind of just expect that's what you're expecting them to do. Come yeah. Year three, year four. So sure. I kind of try try to look uh, lower down, but you know, it's been proven that you you can win it. So I think right after maybe those couple of guys at the top, I think Scotty would be right in the mix. And with uh, Dennis Schroeder, I think it'd probably be a bit more difficult. I think, especially if you look at the last few years, they've tended to go to the uh, to like top teams as well. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. um, like when Tyler Harrow won it, Miami was uh, the one seed, the yeah. top seed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you look at um, Malcolm Brogdon with the Celtics. So uh, I think from that standpoint, it's going to be tough uh, for Schroeder to get that kind of respect as the sixth man, uh, even if he does put up some impressive numbers. Uh, and so I will go with Scotty. That's a really well-made case, I got to say. And yeah, looking up and down the league, it's hard to sort of pinpoint obvious candidates to go and win this award. It's always hard every year, right? Guys come out of the woodwork. Victor Oladipo seasons happen all the time yeah. where it's like, oh, okay, this guy's that now. Awesome. Um, you know, a couple of guys I think kind of stand out as most improved candidates. Uh, give me Alper and Shengun all day, actually working pick and roll with a real point guard. Oh, baby, that's going to be an absolute delight. Um, you know, I think you could probably look at like a Shaden sharp even though i think second year guys you're expecting to improve uh, you know uh, is that a fair thing people give the awards to second year guys all the time so he's probably on the table um josh green with dallas kind of stands out as someone maybe if he can kind of get a little bit more usage on that team he was really really efficient last season and is a really good player is going to be very essential to what they want to do um there's a there's a good 
you know, some of those young guys, I think there's a good chunk of, although I'm not really seeing those sort of like fourth, fifth year guys who you're kind of waiting for that breakout. OG Ananobi, anybody? Uh, <laughs> you know, I think um, Scotty stands a very good chance. That said, I'm going to go Dennis on this one. I'm going to say Dennis Schroeder is going to have a pretty great season as a, as a six man. I don't think he's starting. I, I just, there's no way you can start Schroeder with Barnes, OG, Siakam, and Pirtle. You just can't do it. I'm sorry. Shooting is important. Schroeder doesn't shoot, uh, at least not nearly enough to make that lineup anywhere near functional. It's got to be Scotty Barnes if you're starting with Gary Trent Jr. and OG and Pascal as those sort of spacing wing types. Uh, if this is going to work at all, that's the best chance it has. And so I think Schroeder's going to come off the bench, and I think the Raptors are actually kind of stealthy deep. I talked about this on yesterday's show but they have like 11 12 guys if Otto porter jr is healthy that you're totally comfortable playing 18 minutes in an nba game and i think because of that depth and because of the way they'll be able to stagger in og and trent to help you know breathe some shooting into those second units because grady dick is going to be there to offer some spacing because they will have options to go with scotty as a small ball five or christian coloco or all sorts of different ways they could go and play small ball five with those second units i think Schroeder is going to have an environment in which he can succeed. If you look back at his history, the lineups he's been most successful in usually have one or two other ball handlers and a whole lot of shooting. And if you can play him alongside a Scotty or a Pascal, plus an OG, plus a, a Grady Dick, plus a you know a Precious or a Jalen McDaniels or whomever, I think you can put together some lineups that are going to set up Dennis Schroeder to kind of go and cook. And when you factor in the defense, you know, I, I don't feel like we factor on defense enough in when it comes to six-man conversations. Poor Andre Iguodala uh, should have won it a million times. But, uh, uh, hey, we're, we're coming around. We're evolving in the way we look at this award, I think, a little bit. And I think there's a real chance that Dennis Schroeder has himself an excellent season as a six-man, mostly just because he's going to be relied upon as the only point guard on this roster and is probably going to play between 25 and 30 minutes every night. We'll have plenty of runway. Have I convinced you at all to come to my side and say Schroeder is the more likely award winner here? Um, you've made a compelling case, but I will That's stay all I can on ask my for. side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will stay on my side. Um, uh you know, just I was just scanning teams for candidates and a couple of other guys I'll throw in for mm. that most improved player mix. Uh, Austin Reeves with the Lakers. Oh, yeah. I think he could probably make some noise in that. Um, and you might get a big jump from Trey Murphy with the Pelicans, too. So. Ooh, I like that one. God, Trey Murphy's so cool. I want him yeah. on the Raptors so bad. God <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Um, yeah. It's uh, man, that's the nice thing about a really young league loaded with talent. It's uh, there's always like uh, exciting, most improved candidates to kind of get excited about. And I do think Scotty stands a very good chance of that happening. What do you think like a Scotty most improved season looks like stats wise? Like what, what do you and like, I guess more even so like just eye test wise, what does it all look like to you? If Scotty is, in fact, the most improved player in the league, what have we seen? So I think we'll start off with the eye test. Yeah, and so if you look at the eye test, I, I think he's uh, knocking down just enough mid rangers mm -hmm. to keep the defense honest. Um, again, I'm I'm not going to get too carried away with him needing to knock down uh, three pointers. Uh, Unrealistic to ask at this point of his career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So can he knock down enough mid rangers? Like I even like I really think of that uh, Lakers game, right, mm. where he was absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, OG had the insane game, um, <laughs> but scotty in that one if you go back and watch the highlights like multiple times 
he got into like that mid range and he was comfortable taking the jumper and he was knocking enough of them down. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a big part of it. Um, It's what made him so exciting as a rookie was like, oh, yeah, second game of the year. He's stepping into mid ranges against the Celtics. Okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, Returning to the touch he showed uh, in his rookie season, I, Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't quite there last season or around the basket. Uh, with his finishing and so I think uh, a bit more of that touch uh, would be great to see uh, I think you know talking about defense the really leveling up the defense I think would be a big deal mm-hmm. um, and really being someone uh, at that point of attack it being in kind of denial mode and uh, I think that would be really huge but uh, from a number standpoint uh, very similar right I mean assists had a big spike uh, last season yeah um but beyond that you know pretty much the same points per game uh rebounding dipped a little and so i'd say you're probably looking at getting into the 22 plus points per game to really get into that most improved conversation sure um and then you know rebounds if he can get that up to eight and then the rebound and then the assists if they're above five you know closer to six then you're really you know, it's like, whoa, that I think that's something that really pops in an mm-hmm. MIP conversation where you're looking at a guy and it's just, hey, it's 22, 8, and 6. Like, yeah, you can't. <laughs> okay. <talk about> yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could even see room for like maybe he's up to like 19 a game, but he's averaging seven or eight assists. And then it's like, oh, okay. He actually did the point guard thing. This is pretty cool. Yeah. He's yeah. the most improved. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see. The, the environment is not exactly set up for him to be, uh, for it to be easy for him but we've also seen that when scotty barnes decides, decides to like take a game by the horns the game becomes his and it's pretty thrilling to watch and i think that's probably the big thing right is like is there aggression night tonight is there um, more than just 12 minute bursts of super saiyan mode and you know he's able to kind of be there and be present throughout games and, and maybe just having the ball in his hands makes that more easy for him and he's able to just kind of you know ride the flow of the game a little more effectively not have to sort of check in and out when it's his turn to go in ISO. Um, so know, we'll see. But yeah. Going back to the eye test, and you know, we've talked about this before, and he talked about it at the end of the season, conditioning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so yeah. if he is able to come out and say, Hey, I can give kind of that fourth quarter Scotty for three-ish quarters now, mm-hmm. um, that's a big jump, right? That's a horrifying uh, jump for the rest of the league, frankly, because <laughs> uh, that version of Scotty rocks. I want yeah. to see it more. It's why I'm irritated watching Scotty sometimes. It's like, well, I know what you can do. Like, you're, you're a maniac when you want to be. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so that, cool. that's going to be cool. the big thing in terms of the eye test. Like, wait, where is that conditioning at for you to really go, um, in the words of Kyle Lowry, balls to the wall? Yes. Put them balls on that wall. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much uh, for jumping on the show today. Big V. This was a blast. Uh, love what's more likely. The people love what's more likely. I understand why. It's a fun game to play. Uh, I don't actually know if the people love what's more likely, but we keep on jamming it down their throats anyway. Uh, the Big V, anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Uh, usual stuff at raptors.com, but I will plug, I did Ooh. a cricket feature for the Toronto Star. Hey! Uh, talking about the Canadian GT20 league that is here. Um the final weekend wraps up this long weekend. And so you can catch the games on CBC Gem uh, and you can catch my feature either online or in Thursday's edition of the Toronto Star, which is today. Hell yeah. Everyone, go pick up your star, frame the damn story, put it on your wall. Uh, it's a uh, man. 
It's uh, it's a lovely. I'll be thing. doing that. You don't have to. Oh, well, yeah. I think everyone should. I'm going to. This big V. I'm just reminded of my friend uh, every day on my wall. Uh, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for hanging, buddy, and thanks to you, the listeners, for hanging as well. Uh, please go follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Discord. Link is in the description. Come hang out. Join our little listener community. Lots of lovely sickos in there. Being sickos, come be a sicko among friends. It's great. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with Andrew Ivamy, lovely Toronto stand-up comedian with a great fun episode uh, as he, the endlessly positive person it seems, uh, he tries to convince me to be more positive about the Toronto Raptors among other things. We also play that random Raptors game. It's a great time. You're looking, look forward to that. I know you're looking forward to it. You don't need to tell it. Like, you don't need to ask you to look forward to it. You know, you just can't wait. You're waiting with bated breath. You're going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy seeing you tomorrow as well. Thanks so much for hanging, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.